You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who has sent us Christ so that He might be raised again from the dead to give us a hope of a better life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the countdown is going for one of the biggest sporting events of, uh, of the year uh, that happens every year. Uh, we're, we're going to see the Super Bowl played out in front of our eyes, or at least in many of our eyes. Some of you maybe are going to skip it, but a lot of us are going to be watching it or at least watching it for the commercials. And the countdown is beginning. And the question here is kind of, well, you know, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting to see a battle between uh, two, two great football teams? Are we waiting for a battle between two football teams that if you asked us probably five years ago, if these teams would be in the Super Bowl, we would have laughed at you? Are you waiting instead for maybe, well, what is the best? ad going to be? You know, is it going to be Doritos? Is it going to be uh, Pepsi? Is it going to be something completely different? Or are you waiting for the halftime show? Are you, you waiting to see what Interscope Records is going to do to the halftime show and how many times they're going to have to have one of those beep things happen in the midst of the show? But we, we all have sort of different expectations. We, we all have so, sort of different things that we're waiting for out of the Super Bowl. Maybe some of us are just waiting for an opportunity to go to bed early tonight and to not watch it and get some extra rest. But wherever you are, there's, there's kind of that question of, of waiting. And waiting is a big part of what the, the Christian religion is, is all about. Christianity is a, a religion that at its heart has a lot of waiting. In, in the midst of it, we, we sort of seem like we're always waiting for something. We begin the church year with a season of waiting, that season of Advent where we're waiting for a baby to be born in Bethlehem. And we, we wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And then it happens with Christmas. And then we get to this season, Epiphany, and we start going, well, what are we waiting for now? And we're kind of waiting and waiting and waiting until Easter to come around. And so that that way we can have that great celebration. And then after that, well, we kind of get into this thing of like, well, we're waiting and waiting some more. And even beyond that, there's this sense of, well, deep down in terms of what we believe, we are waiting for something every morning when we get up. We're waiting and seeing if, well, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day that Jesus comes back and ushers in this amazing time that he has promised to us, this time that is called 
the resurrection, the resurrection of all flesh. So not just his Easter, because his Easter already happened, but we're still waiting for our Easter. We're still waiting for that time where we get to say, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. This is that amazing time period when every tear will be wiped away from every eye, when there will no longer be suffering, there will no longer be sin. And we get up every morning. And as we think about the possibility of that being possibly today, you know, it could happen just a little bit later on today. It could happen before the Super Bowl happens. We could have that experience of Jesus coming back and establishing the resurrection amongst us. And it's this great moment that we're looking forward to. It's this great thing that we're looking forward to. But the problem that Paul is bringing out in this reading is that, well, he's writing to these people in Corinth, this new church in Corinth that doesn't quite have its theology together, doesn't quite have its practice together. And he's writing to them and he's doing a little bit of correcting. And he's saying, hey, you guys, you know, you kind of get this Christian thing, but you also kind of don't get this Christian thing. And here are some big ways in which you don't get this Christian thing. And he goes through the book of Corinthians, and, and largely that's what 1 Corinthians is all about, is him saying, hey, you guys are, are really doing great, but you're sort of majoring in the minors sometimes, and you're missing out on some of the big things. And here's a big thing that you're missing out on, which is the resurrection. Because the people in Corinth, being good Greeks, said Ah, that resurrection thing, Paul, that's good for you Jewish folks. But for us sophisticated Greeks, no way. That, that just doesn't speak to us. And the reason for that is uh, we, we see that earlier, actually, in, in the book of Acts. We, we see that in the book of Acts, uh, Paul goes to Athens, and he starts to talk to the people there about this new thing, this new person who rose from the dead. And he starts to talk about it, somebody raising from the dead. And we see immediately in that section of Acts that the philosophers in Athens start going, Oh, he's talking about the resurrection. We're not interested anymore. Thanks a lot. See you later. And the reason for that is that in the Greek concept, in the Greek framework, you, you have this sense of the body being sort of, well, disposable. That the, the body was something that, well, we, we just kind of leave behind. You know, it, it's sort of like um, having a pen that you go, well, you know, this is a pen that I, I don't really care. I, I'm just going to leave this out for, for somebody. Um, uh, or it's like something else that you might have as disposable. And it's something where, where you go, well, this is disposable. I, I don't really care about it. And the Greek concept of the body was that, well, this body, well, it's just meant to be disposed. That the spirit, the soul, they felt that there was something to that. There was something important about sort of the inner workings, the inner mind that, uh, that people had. But in terms of the body, they said, ah, oh, well, you know, whatever. We don't really care about that. And so because of that, they, they came down on, on two sides. And there would be kind of the two sides that we come to anything that's disposable. 
So the, the first side of that was one set of uh, Greek people sort of saw the body as this thing that was disposable. And so since I'm going to dispose of it, well, I might as well use it to the greatest extent that I can. I might as well just run this thing into the ground. This is how I treated my cars in high school and in college. Those things I knew were disposable. They actually, some of them probably should have been disposed of before I got them. And I knew that, that that was just kind of, this car is there for me to dispose of. It's there for me to run to the red line. It's there for me to see how I can break this thing. And that was the way that some of these Greeks treated the human body. They just said, well, it's here to be broken, so we might as well break it. And they had this approach to life that bespoke that idea that this body isn't something that I'm going to hang on to. This body isn't going to be something that's important, so I might as well just use it up. I might as well just break it up. And that was the way that they looked at the world. But there were other people, other people that uh, looked at the body as being just something that was sort of worthless, something that well, they didn't even really want to have around. I mean, it was sort of like when somebody offers you a really great cup of coffee in a styrofoam cup. <laughs> and you go, okay, you know, th this could be great, but uh, it probably isn't. And I'm not even going to feel that it is because, well, it's in a styrofoam cup. Yeah, this is like when somebody says, I bought this really great bottle of wine and here it is for you in a red solo. They, they kind of felt like anything that touched the body, that it was like, oh, like, oh, that, you know, that you just kind of detract away from its importance. You detract away from its value simply because it has something to do with the body. It has something to do with this dirty thing that produces germs and all sorts of other nasty stuff. And so because that's how they felt about this disposable body, well, they felt that anything to do with the body was to be shunned. It was to be, you know, sort of as much as possible, you were supposed to not sort of enjoy the things of the body. You weren't supposed to enjoy the senses and things like that, but rather to live this sort of interior life, this life that focused on, on things that were above the body's level. And so you had those two ideas that were well alive in Corinth. And actually, if you go through the book of 1 Corinthians, you can see both of those things showing up in Corinth as they go through their many mistakes throughout um, that Paul shows throughout the entire book. But here, he, he gets at this, this fundamental misunderstanding this fundamental misunderstanding that they have that the body is not going to be raised. He said, if that is true, we're all in trouble. And he goes into sort of elaborate lengths, like right before this, he goes to elaborate lengths in order to show us uh, that, that Jesus was raised from the dead and that there were several eyewitnesses, that there were eyewitnesses who were apostles, that there were 500 some eyewitnesses to his resurrection earlier, that there were all of these reasons for you to believe that there was a resurrection from evidence. But here he's not arguing from evidence, but rather he's arguing from the sense of, well, what does this mean? 
What does it mean if you don't believe in a resurrection? And he's saying that if you don't believe in a resurrection, well, then you might as well throw the rest of this stuff out. Because the resurrection is really what makes Jesus Jesus. And it what's, it's what makes Christians Christian. Because if you don't understand Jesus raising from the dead and that his raising from the dead means our resurrection, then you fundamentally misunderstand what Jesus came here to do. So Jesus didn't come into this world in order to die on the cross and then to be raised again from the tomb simply to say, boo, I made it. Even though that's sometimes kind of how we understand what he did, and that's a little part of it, like Jesus did raise from the dead so that we could see him raise from the dead, but what he did in raising from the dead has much more to do with us. What he did in raising from the dead has to do with the idea of first fruits that Paul uses at the very end of this little reading that we have. He says that, Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, by fallen asleep, he doesn't mean the person who is taking a nap on your couch later on today because they're bored by the Super Bowl. It means the people that have died. And he's saying Jesus is the first fruits of the dead people. And you go, oh, that's kind of creepy. What could Paul be meaning about this sense of the first fruits? Well, the first fruits was a, a particular sacrifice. It was the sacrifice that happened right around Passover. And so what Paul is doing here is he's saying Jesus is like that sacrifice that happened at the Passover. That what that sacrifice was, was that people would take the first fruits. So the first things that came from their agriculture, first things that came from what they were doing, and they would take those things, the best things, the first things, and they would offer them up. Let them be burned so that they could then enjoy the rest of the fruits. And that's the picture that Paul is painting here, this picture that what we are waiting for is the enjoyment of the rest of us. That that's what Jesus came to give us. That Jesus came into this world in order to be that first fruits sacrifice. He came into this world so that he could be utterly obliterated before us on the cross. So that he could be utterly destroyed right in front of us so that he could die right in front of us so that we could see that sacrifice made for us and then know that that sacrifice became what gave us life. That that sacrifice is then what became the thing that assured us of our own resurrections, that we could be assured of this heavenly, forever, infinite peace and love and joy and party and enjoyment and this great thing that Jesus came in order to be the one 
who was sacrificed on that altar so that we could know that we had a life and a faith that was not lived in vain, but rather a life and a faith that lived looking forward to something that we could be waiting for. Now, there are certainly things about the Corinthians that they got right. And one of those is that it's not all about just waiting, that Christ gives us peace and he gives us comfort and he gives us his word. He gives us all sorts of different things that we can experience right now in the here and now. But the thing is that those things are all held together with our waiting, with our waiting for that one glorious, blessed day when he comes and says, it's time. It's kickoff time for the resurrection. It's time to enjoy this heavenly Super Bowl feast with all sorts of chicken wings and all sorts of pizza and all sorts of wonderful drinks that you can have at this wonderful celebration of the marriage feast of the Lamb, that that is going to be this moment that we enjoy together, that it is going to be better than a Super Bowl party is going to be better than anything that we've ever imagined because he has come in order to save us from our sins, in order to be the sacrifice that our sins required so that he could step into human history and give us something that is so wild and so unimaginable, but is deep down at its soul. The thing that we're waiting for, which is an immortal life with a God who loves us enough to send us his son to be the first fruits. May you remember this Super Bowl Sunday and for throughout this week that God loved you enough to send his son to be the sacrifice that meant that you could go on living. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Oh, Lord,